Welcome, Bird Gang, and welcome to our first official Football Friday. The season opener right around the corner. Really can't wait to see this Cardinals team on the field in a real game. So for those of you who were with us yesterday, you'll remember we gave MJ some homework. His top three things needed for the Cardinals to walk out of Levi's Stadium with a win on Sunday. Also, what's the marquee matchup? It's time to preview week one. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 309, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side, defense caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown. Here's Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Well, it was great to see NFL on my TV last night, MJ, and it's been a long time coming. It's been a long wait. We've got to wait a little more than two days before we actually see the Cardinals in action. But hey, the National Football League beginning on time. And I don't know if we could have said that six months ago. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, we look at, you know, even June and July, you started to wonder. But give the NFL credit, as you uh, pointed out earlier in the week, you know, when it came to the NFL combine, of course, that was before. Uh, the draft was on time. Free agency was on time. They did have a delay in the offseason workouts. But uh, because of virtual uh, meetings and interviews, they were able to kind of get through that. But, you know, to me, it passed the eye test. Um, you know, uh, you know, you look at the game as a whole. Uh, listen to J.J. Watt after the game, and he talked about tackling was an issue. Now, you look at the both of their grades, according to pro football focus, they weren't very good. And J.J. Watt said that's because we can't hit as much in camp. We had joint practices scheduled. To, those were canceled. And they did not have a preseason. It's hard to simulate full speed in practice. And, you know, you're, you're taught to practice this way and another. So I think that's something we're going to have to look for. You know, I don't know about conditioning-wise. Um, you know, obviously, you know, the Cardinals are going to have to deal with some, some uh, different and climate uh, pollution up there and weather, if that happens to be the case. But, you know, those are two things to look for, tackling and then just conditioning besides the obvious stuff. Yeah, a couple of things on that. One, head coach Cliff Kingsbury did acknowledge that they are monitoring the situation with regard to air quality in Santa Clara, and the league ultimately will have the final say on that. Two, as far as their injuries are concerned, relatively healthy, which is always good, according to Kingsbury. You certainly want to be uh, ready for week one and not have anything lingering. The Cardinals obviously don't have Robert Alford. That was the one big blow suffered in training camp. But Drake Kirkpatrick right now appears to be your cornerback opposite Patrick Peterson. But in terms of conditioning, which you alluded to, MJ, Defensive coordinator Vance Joseph did acknowledge earlier in the week that there is a plan in place that if Kirkpatrick needs a blow or whatever, they've got guys that they can go in and play cornerback opposite 21. Yeah, and, and that's because he's only been in training camp a couple of weeks. Um, I think we got to look big picture here. They didn't sign him for the first month of the season, hoping to get somebody back. He's going to be your starter uh, throughout the season. Uh, barring some kind of injury. But, you know, Chris Jones has been in the system. Kevin Peterson's been in the system. 
you know, and and obviously Chris Jones is a the guy they would have to uh, evaluate in this case. But for the most part, I mean, they do have some options, but uh, I don't think he's going to play 65 snaps a game. Yeah, when you look at that depth in the cornerback room, aside from Peterson, Byron Murphy, Kevin Peterson, uh, Drake Kirkpatrick, as we mentioned, and then Chris Jones, who's on the practice squad. So that would take a, a roster move if they want to make sure that he's available for Sunday and week one. But uh, this is the place here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, your complete week one preview. But real fast, MJ, this note, because I thought it was worth mentioning, we had a chance to hear from the other two captains defensively that were named earlier this week, or I should say one offense, one defense, DJ Humphreys. And the only reason I bring this up is because it was the last question asked of him as far as being named a captain and now having that C on his chest and how much it means to him. But I thought he had perhaps the quote of the week. (laughs) One, he said he was very surprised and shocked. And then two, added this, quote, I want as many people that was writing about me, calling me knee deep to remember to write about me and call me captain now, end quote. And I applaud Humphreys for saying exactly that because he deserves now to be praised and applauded for not only the maturity on the field, but off the field as well. I would agree, but I think he would be the first to tell you he was immature when he came in the league. And that's because he came out as a junior. He could have been barely 20 years old. Um, you know, obviously Bruce Arians is going to, you know, coach you hard and hug you later. Um, yeah, you know, and that's one thing about Arians. Sometimes you don't know if it's hyperbole. Um, but obviously that's the way that he felt. Um, but he matured, I think, being a father, uh, getting married. His life is good, but he, he deserves the captaincy. He's a leader on that team. And, when you look at that offensive line, I, I think, you know, he, even though they got some guys that are a little bit older, he's got the longevity. He was a first-round pick for the Cardinals, so he's earned it. But at the time, I think him getting, uh, you know, motivated um, and pushed a little bit, that's the guy he is today. Absolutely. Cardinal fans, remember to update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The update features an all-new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com slash app for more. All right, MJ, we gave you a task following yesterday's show. Did you complete your homework? Yeah, it's more prep. I can't <laughs> remember the last time I had homework. Usually in our business, they give you an assignment or, you know, we get a show and you and I, try to figure out what the top three or four topics are um, based on, you know, things we learn, see, and then what we hear based on meetings. So I'll start with number one. It's not going to be a shock, but I'm not saying they have to shut their their running game down, but you have to contain it. As we pointed out throughout the course of the week, they were second in rushing last year, over 200 yards per game on the ground. Um, they averaged 31 attempts per game. They had 21 rushing touchdowns. Now, I don't think he's getting talked about enough, um, but when you look at a guy like Jarrett McKinnon, who signed there, it seems like three years ago, he hasn't been healthy. I was told that he's had a really good training camp. We're probably going to see Tevin Coleman. We're probably going to see, you know, some of their other backups. And uh, But obviously, again, you're not going to shut them down. you got to contain these guys, and you got to eliminate the, the big runs. So, um, again, they do average 31 attempts per game. That's kind of an interesting number. Now, just on the other side, 
The Cardinals, they rushed last year uh, 990 yards. They were 10th in the league, averaged 124 yards on the ground, 17 touchdowns. So we look at the Cardinals and we look at the improvement there. They've been doing this for a while, and the only team that was ahead of them was the Ravens. So they were the number two rushing in football, and we know the Cardinals had issues stopping the run, getting teams off on third down, and then obviously making, you know stopping guys in the red zone. So to me, it all starts with the run game. Again, you're not going to shut them down. You have to eliminate the big 20-yard runs, try to put them in passing situations. So that's number one. All right, hold on one second because I got a couple of comments on that as we look at the top three things needed for the Cardinals to win on Sunday at Levi Stadium because obviously, you know, it starts with the stop the run, which we hear every single week, but more so this week because of the 49ers. But I was looking back at, at uh, the two games, the two meetings against the 49ers. Week nine, the 49ers totaled 101 rushing yards. And then a couple of weeks later, on week 11, they only had 34 net rushing yards. So the Cardinals did an excellent job in containing the run in the second meeting. Of course, in that second meeting, Jimmy Garoppolo threw for 424 yards and four touchdowns. But I think at the end of the day, if you do hold the Niners to under 100 rushing yards and you force the quarterback to beat you, I think that is what the Cardinals ultimately would like to happen. And then if it does, you lose because of that then you tip your cap and say congratulations. Well, it's a great point, and I'm glad you brought that up. The thing is, Craig, they don't have their, quote, two top receivers. So I think they're going to re- rely on Hughes-Check, um, the fullback, and then you throw in George Kittle. So I, I just think overall the, they don't have the same weapons. So if Garoppolo's throwing for 400 yards, you hope it doesn't a lot of that come to the tight end position. But um, they can line up and run the football. And so – and, and they got a guy named Trent Taylor there who's kind of their slot slot guy, and they said he's had a good camp. So we'll see. But, yeah, I'm glad you brought up those numbers, but it's the fact is that, you know, force them to go to the length of the field. Don't let them get chunk yards. So that would be number one. But I, I'm glad that you brought that up. But we know um, the Cardinals went toe-to-toe to them, and, and they, like you said, the one game, you know, late touchdown. But for the most part, I think they – um, they match up with them, but I think this is a different matchup because they don't have the same receivers there. All right. The thing the Cardinals must do in order to win on Sunday. Number two is they have to eliminate like splash plays. Like Patrick Peterson could be guarding maybe their second or third receiver. I don't think we'll see Peterson on Kittle. Uh, do they move Peterson around? based on who's got more experience. But, you know, it's those big, you know, 30 to 40-yard gains. And I don't think you're going to get that in the run game. So I would say you got to eliminate chunk plays. you got to eliminate splash plays. Um, splash plays are usually 20 or more yards. You cannot give up big plays to this team because all of a sudden, you know, defensively with the secondary, you would hope there's better communication. There's more pressure on the quarterback. They're doing a much better job winning at the line of scrimmage. So if we're having a conversation, the Cardinals gave up big plays and big chunk plays. That won't build well for the Cardinals uh, defense. Well, here are those chunk plays a year ago against the 49ers. 21, 22, 23, 32, 20, and 30 yards. That was the first matchup. Second matchup, 25, 23, 26, 20, 37, 23, and then 57. 
So the Cardinals, while they were able to do a decent job against the 49ers, the reason the 49ers were able to win is because the Cardinals defense did not force them, as you said, go the length of the field. Hey, why don't you show that you can be mistake free over the course of eight, nine, 10, 11 plays for a drive, as opposed to three and four play drives where you have one of those plays being a 20 plus run or a 20 plus reception. Well, as you pointed out, the Cardinals obviously, you know, try to make them one dimensional and that works. But when Garoppolo's throwing, you know, eight touchdown passes against the Cardinals in, in those two games last year, I mean, I'm not concerned about Garoppolo. I, I think if you can put some pressure on him, he's going to throw a ball or two to you, uh, to the defense. So I just think that you got to eliminate the splash plays. I mean, and, and this is a team that so much motion and you think you may have a guy wrapped up. And the next thing you know, an eight-yard gain is is a 30-yard gain. So that that's my biggest concern. And tackling will be uh, something to look for for both teams. Matter of fact, in the first couple of weeks around the league. Now, that, I don't think there's any question about that. The tackling and the number of flags, because if you're late on a tackle, that's or if you're on the offensive line, if you get beat, your natural instinct is to go out and reach and grab. And then all of a sudden, if it's seen, that's a holding call. So. Uh, I'm, I think there are a lot of people, especially head coaches, that are really concerned about what it might look like on the field. Now, last night, the Texans and Chiefs pretty clean, only six flags, but it's the tackling and how sloppy it might be uh, just because no preseason. And some teams, let's be honest, that wasn't as much live hitting or tackling whether you just tackled and wrapped them up or tackled all the way to the ground. Um, I don't know how many teams actually went out and went real hard because there was not going to be a preseason and a traditional offseason leading up into training camp. Well, it's not worth the risk. I mean, teams are hesitant to play a guy X amount of you know, snaps in the preseason or reps. So, but I, you know, we talked about it, and the Cardinals, I think they did have something lined up. Um, for those joint practices. And, and, and again, everyone's dealing with it. So it, it's it's going to happen around the league. And I think the numbers reflected last night. And, and I'm glad you mentioned, mentioned there was only six flags. I actually will commend the officiating, at least for now. I thought they let them play football last night. Because you, you, they say you can hold on every play. We know that, you know, all the rules are geared for offense for you know and player safety, which I get. But, you know, when guys are trying to go for, out for a pass, sometimes it's past that five-yard line and you try to grab the jersey. But I, I thought they let them play last night. And that's the last thing you want to do is have 13 flags on the first night because, you know, obviously nobody's watching for the officials. And I haven't seen anything or read anything, but you bring up an interesting point that, you know, there's always a point of emphasis. And maybe the point of emphasis here to start the season is, hey, you know what? Kind of keep those yellow handkerchiefs in your pocket unless it's egregious. Let's yes. not have three and a half, four hour games to where you can't get into an offensive flow and you can't get into a rhythm. Not that you overlook something, but hey, let's, as the officials, let's help these two teams out. Let's help these coaching staffs out because we all know that this was a unique circumstance in the amount of prep time that everyone had to get to week one. Yeah, and, and and they're not going to be reckless. I mean, it's it, it's an obvious call. Now, keep in mind, um, normally you have officials for preseason games. That's how they kind of rock up, you know, knock the rust off. Normally you have officials come in 
one week in a year to go through the point of emphasis, new rule changes. And then normally you have officials, you know, uh, officiating practice. And the officials had no no uh, work in the off season, So they're starting from scratch now. They watch a ton of film. They got a lot of rules to remind themselves. Um, so I'm not saying that they're officials like players or professionals. You're, you're paid to do your job. I'm not saying they're not making – if something's blatant, they're going to call it. I'm just saying – they're also their eyes got to get quicker now because you know they, they haven't seen the speed since last December and pretty much nobody in in the Cardinals feel like they've taken a hit since the last game last year. Yeah, we don't need any officials, any referees to uh, be stars on Sundays. I don't I don't need to see their faces. Um, best to be uh, unseen this weekend. But uh, again, we'll see what transpires over the course of the next couple of days, Sunday and Monday. All right. Three things the Cardinals need to do in order to walk out of Levi Stadium with the victory. Number three is what? The X Factor. X Factor's Dan Arnold. <laughs> we're we're going to talk tight end, but we're not going to talk George Kittle. We're going right to Dan Arnold. I mean, I, I would love to sit here and say, you, you know, obviously the Cardinals are going to spin around. I mean, Kyler Murray, I'm I'm just really excited to see this offense get unleashed. I want to see this, you know, possibly up tempo, no, no, no huddle offense. I want to see them like become the uh, the Sun seven seconds or less, or maybe like you know a track team. Now you can't go three and out, and I just think he's going to be a, a matchup issue uh, with the uh, linebackers and obviously the safeties. And you know who knows how much he's going to play. I think he's one of been the better uh, players in camp. And just watching him over the last two weeks of camp, he's more athletic than I thought. Um, he plays with a lot of passion. Um, so, I mean, I could have picked Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald, but I, I think you need an X factor in this game. And, and if Chase Edmonds was getting a bigger role, I maybe went with him. You know, I can sit here and say I need to see – you know, Isaiah Simmons, but I, I'm tempering the uh, expectations there. I know we're talking about the eighth pick in the draft. You know, I, I should have said, well, Dan, you know, Campbell, but we, we covered George Kittle and Jordan Reed. So I think you need an X factor in this game, and I think it could be Dan Arnold. Well, he did not play in either of the two matchups last season. He arrived later and did not play until the month of December. So, Hey, as much as we spent last season talking about opposing tight ends against the Cardinals defense, it certainly would be a nice change of pace to have a Cardinals tight end, Dan Arnold, Max Williams, Darrell Daniels, I don't care, any tight end, to say, hey, you know what? You had two or three touchdowns, you had 80-plus yards, and then make the narrative, make another team have to say, you know what? We have to worry about the Cardinals tight end. Well, just based on – you know, how much they think of him. I know there's only one ball to go around, and I'm sure if Hopkins is open and Kirk's open, but Murray trusts Dan, Dan Arnold, and the coaching staff trusts Dan Arnold. And he's had a really good camp, and he's been in the system. He's been a little little bit stronger, um, but he's almost like a wide receiver playing tight end. I know he's not the greatest blocker. He's willing to stick his face in there. He'll do anything he can do besides getting a holding penalty. We know Max Williams, and so I think the Cardinals are going to try to line up and I think they want to be physical. Everyone talks about how tough the Niners' front seven is because of where the draft pick they were drafted. And obviously they got a good uh, defensive coordinator in Robert Sale. Um, but I think the Cardinals want to show up and say we're physical too on both sides of the ball. 
So Mike Jurecki's top three things he's looking to see for the Cardinals to win and start one and oh for the first time in a long time. One, stop the run. Two, avoid splash plays, those 20-plus receptions, those 10, 15-plus yard runs. And then the X factor, Dan Arnold, the Cardinals tight end. Certainly uh, we would all love to see that and have the Cardinals uh, get off to a great start and maybe surprise some people coming up this weekend against the division champions from a year ago and the team that represented the NFC in the Super Bowl. We're going to get to some marquee matchups as well, but I want to let everyone know if you enjoy Cardinals Cover 2 or the entire number of podcasts the Arizona Cardinals have, Cardinals Underground, the Big Red Raids, the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Make sure you subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Go to azcardinals.com slash podcasts for more. It is a football Friday edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. MJR, first official football Friday. We've, we've said it all off season, but now it's it's really happening because there's a game in two days. Yeah, I mean, I, I know a lot of people the last 24 hours are saying it's finally here and you can just see how excited people are. And I know the fantasy aspect, but, you know, I think it's a little bit different for the fan bases this year because, you know, obviously the majority of the league will not have fans. But I hope the fans social distancing can, you know, get with the, the people maybe they've been quarantined with and just have a great time and, you know, take videos of you screaming in front of your TV. You, you could send them to us. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be different. But uh, I just can't believe um, – well, I can't believe because I was optimistic. I'm, I'm just thrilled that it's here. And, you know, we're not guaranteed anything in life. And, you know, it's only one week. We've got a long ways to go. Um, but it sure beats the alternative. Absolutely. Knock on wood that uh, everyone does their part and we are able to complete an entire season, postseason, and Super Bowl as well. All right, let's get into some marquee matchups. What are where are your eyes going to be going? Maybe first and foremost on Sunday. Well, I'm going to go with uh, DJ Humphrey's left tackle coming off a really good year. He was able to stay healthy, became one of the leaders, and of course he was recently named team captain. He's going against Trent Williams. You know, Trent Williams was in Washington. He was he was a guy that had a huge upside. Unfortunately, he got hurt and didn't trust the medical staff, and so he wasn't going to play there. Even though Ron Rivera tried to bring, you know, come in there and try to change the culture, and I'm sure he's going to do that in the future. Um, so now the Niners have him, and you know, the, Joe Staley, who the Cardinal fans are very familiar with, he's been there for a long, long time, and he decided to retire, and so it was a natural fit. And he's one of the best level tackles in football when healthy. He's a big guy. He wears number 77. He's 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 going to be um, a guy that, you know, uh, when you look at Chandler Jones or anybody else on that side, I mean, it's going to be a really good matchup. You're talking about, you know, one of the top five left tackles versus one of the top five outside defensive edge rushers. And, you know, they've gone against each other before. As a matter of fact, a couple of years ago when the Cardinals opened up with the Redskins, um, Chandler Jones didn't sack him, but he was able to knife through there. And that was when Alex Smith fumbled the football. Um, he's gone through uh, uh, when he was in New England. The first thing that uh, Trent Williams said when he got to off-season workouts and when he signed with the Niners, he looked up film and started watching Chandler Jones and just how effective he could be. So that's one of the matchups, I think, if you want to protect Kyler Murray, even though Murray's different than Garoppolo, he can extend plays with his legs. He can you know, get out of the pocket. Um, 
But I think from the from a blind side standpoint, I think they obviously have to protect Jimmy Garoppolo. So you're putting both left tackles under the microscope, but with regard to Williams and Chandler Jones, yeah, I love what Williams had to say telling reporters that he started looking at film, as you mentioned, back in April, as far as trying to figure out a way to attack or defend Chandler Jones, who Williams called, quote, a rusher with it all. And you can make an argument, and I've seen people in the Bay Area make this argument that is good and as a fan favorite as Joe Staley was and continues to be, that the 49ers might have upgraded at left tackle with Trent Williams. I wouldn't say falling into their lap, but Joe Staley announces his retirement. And next thing you know, we've got a trade between Washington and San Francisco that I'm sure was in the works for a while. But that was a nice, quote unquote, fallback plan, if you will. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know how long Andrew Whitworth's going to play. You know, obviously he's got a little long in the tooth, but I thought he was one of the best free agent signings a couple of years ago, really solidified what they wanted to do offensively. But I think it's easy to say just based on, you know, his upside and what he's accomplished in his career when it refers to Pro Bowls and all pros, um, I would say he's the best left tackle in, in, in the division. And then I, I would put, you know, Humphreys up there. But I think Andrew Whitworth just based on longevity. So I, I think Hump could be third. Um, and then you look at Seattle, they kind of use a revolving door there. So, yeah, I mean, it's he's that good. And if, if you know, they didn't, he didn't have the situation with the medical staff, maybe he'd still be in Washington. But, this, you know, you look at what the Niners lost in the, in the offseason, DeForest Buckner and Emmanuel Sanders, and those are two big losses considering how they played. But adding a future left tackle, you can get, kind of get by with it. You're not going to be able to retain all those guys on defense. Yeah, Williams, 32 years old, did not play last season, but a seven-time Pro Bowler. Let's flip it to D.J. Humphreys and what he and really that entire Cardinals offensive line is going to be facing. Five former first-round draft picks, and you say they lose to Forrest Buckner. Well, they acquired that 13th overall pick from the Colts and selected Javon Kinlaw with that pick. Now, there's been reports that Kinlaw is not quite maybe ready or expected to contribute right away, but you still have Eric Armstead, Solomon Thomas, oh yeah, Nick Bosa, and of course, D. Ford. That is the 49ers' defensive front. They lose to Forrest Buckner, but they still have five former first-round draft picks. And the way they run their scheme is they want to rush four without blitzing. So that means if you're Kyler Murray and you've got to throw against that back seven, they're probably going to try to eliminate the deep ball, have their safeties playing center field, um, but they're going to force you to, to to kind of win at at the point of attack. Now, I did read from Nick Bosa that he's went back and watched a lot of Kyler Murray film, and they've kind of f- found some of his tendencies, so to speak, how he runs when he's in traffic, and that's just based on the two games, and it sounds like he went back and watched all his cut-ups when he was scrambling. So, uh, you know, we'll see how, how effective that is. They did sack Murray seven times in those two games last year. Um, he was able to rush the ball. He did have a rushing touchdown against the, the 49ers with four touchdowns. But, yeah, I mean, clearly I don't know if they'll put a spy on him because we know that possibly opens things up. And if Cliff wants to spread them out, they're going to have to stay in their gaps. But they feel like they can win with a front four, and then the Cardinals are going to have to somehow get to that, that second layer if they want to run the football on them. 
Yeah, if the 49ers are successful in getting pressure or knocking Murray off his spot with just four, then all of a sudden you can drop seven, and maybe you're able to double-team DeAndre Hopkins and still cover everyone else. So that will be that will be key. If, 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 if you can see the 49ers all of a sudden sending five or six just to get Murray uh, uncomfortable, if you will, then all of a sudden if you're able to get the ball out quicker – Hopkins, Fitz, Kirk, Williams, Arnold, Kenyon Drake, whomever. Now all of a sudden they've got more space to operate, provided they're able to make the catch and then turn up field. You know, it was interesting last night. I read this morning on Pro Football Focus is that uh, both the Texans and the Chiefs defense put six in the box. They were so afraid of the deep ball, you know, and obviously Will Fuller dropped that ball, but the, the Texans receivers, obviously they missed Hopkins, but the receivers have some speed. So in other words, maybe teams are thinking we can go six in the box, but then if, if you're winning at the point of attack, then they start dropping safeties and you get to seven guys and that's where it's a chess match. So it'd be interesting, but they're, they're one team that says we can line up our four and we're going to get pressure on the quarterback and that tightens things up in the secondary. Absolutely. A couple of uh, notes here as far as things to watch. You know, the 49ers, the big question that a lot of the reporters I cover our team have been asking as far as much like we here for the number of years, who's the cornerback opposite Patrick Peterson? The question has been, who's the cornerback opposite Richard Sherman? Bit of a question because when you look at the unofficial death chart, they put Emmanuel Mosley or Akello Witherspoon. So some debate as far as who's going to be that other guy. And that's now all of a sudden who's lined up against Fitz, who's lined against up against Kirk. So there's a question mark now with that 49er secondary. Yeah. They, you know, they have, they have good linebackers. Um, I, I do like their, their safeties. I mean, again, their, their system is based on being physical and attacking the ball. They force turnovers. They force turnovers. Now, you know, I think Richard Sherman, there was maybe a time where he didn't have a lot, but, you know, last year he got off to a good start. I want to say he's, he has the most interceptions of active cornerbacks in football. Do they target, you know, Richard Sherman? Is he moving around? Um, but they, they do a really good job, and, and normally they're a team that tackles well in the open field. So just like just like on the other side, you know, now that they, if they may not have their two top receivers, who does Patrick Peterson cover? So it's interesting, but – Definitely, you know, I'd go at Sherman just because age-wise, um, you know, I think there's plays he still gives up. He takes a little bit chances based on his experience and his knowledge of what he thinks is going to happen. But I would love to see him up on Hopkins, and let's see uh, the best man win there. The last note with the 49ers, and this is something we touched on earlier in the week, but their starting center, Ben Garland, has been dealing with an ankle injury. Now, remember, he's the backup center. The 49ers starting center, Weston Richburg, is on the PUP list. So if Garland is less than 100%, one, he's the backup. But if he's unable to go, now all of a sudden you're at your third string center. And we know that that 49ers rushing attack, you need a strong interior. So that's something to pay attention to. If the Cardinals, much like the 49ers, if you get some pressure with just four or for the Cardinals, just three down linemen with maybe Chandler Jones or Devon Kennard in the outside, uh, that might all of a sudden take a huge component of the 49ers offense away, and that is their strong running game. That's a great nugget, Craig, because, you know, it's, it's one thing to go into the season with your backup. It's another to go to your third-string guy. That guy hasn't got the reps. 
Um, he could be a guy that can play, you know, two different positions. So we'll have to wait and see. And, you know, to me, the first thing I think of is lucky foe two. I mean, get foe two in there and Rashard Lawrence to start pushing that pocket because I do think their strengths are Williams and McClinchy. You know, we're talking about two high draft picks. McClinchy played at a big time college at Notre Dame. He went against really good pass rushers. I do think if there's, I wouldn't say weakest link, but if there's a, you know, a link that can, you know, break, I would think it's in their interior. And, and that means maybe Jordan Phillips, maybe you try to line him up more inside because he's going to, he's normally your right defensive end, Zach Allen. But if those guys can get some pressure or containment, that's where you may see some of these linebackers come in and, and hopefully stop the run. But it, that's a good point because we always talk about getting to the quarterback, pressure from the outside. Well, there's other ways you can do it up the middle. Absolutely. And they say it always starts up front, whether you're talking about the offensive line or defensive line. If your team wins, you can usually look and say, all right, did the offensive line do its job or to a certain extent did the defensive line force the other team's offensive line back on their heels and disrupt what they want to do offensively. So it's again, what we've all talked about all week long, MJ, is everything's now on paper. But in just a couple of short days, 48 hours, if you will, now we get to see everything on the field. The only thing I can say, I'm really looking forward to this this game, but also the Cardinals offense. I I think I'm not going to compare it to the greatest show on turf. They had veteran players. They had Marshall Falk. um, But I really think that this team is much further ahead than they were a year ago. So I want to say get the popcorn out watch the game and enjoy it. And I think it's going to be a tight game. And, you know, this is a great measuring stick. This is a tone setter. Uh, I still, you know, you still got 15 games, but it would go a long way in the win column. Uh, division game, road game, conference game, a team that went to the Super Bowl last year, you would be sending a statement to the National Football League. Absolutely. 125 is the kickoff from Levi Stadium. Pre-game coverage on the Arizona Cardinals radio network begins at 8.30 a.m. Spend your Sunday, September 13th, with us here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. And on that note, we put a lid on this edition, a Football Friday edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Amahundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to everyone on Sunday and then next week. It is a football Friday, week one, right around the corner. This has been Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals.